Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7. In Jeremiah chapter 17, we get a clear warning from the Lord. The prophet tells us that judgment is coming, that he is not hasty to give this word, nor did he desire hardship to come, but because of wickedness and pride, it must. Yet he gives a way of escape from it for those who would believe, heed, and take it seriously. He tells them not to put their trust in man or in the arm of the flesh, but rather to trust in God. And if they will honor the Sabbath, then God himself will protect them. This is so counterintuitive that it takes faith to do it. To stand in the face of a wave of wickedness and be instructed to do nothing. To stop all of your trust in yourself and in men and in any form of deliverance other than divine intervention. To believe it so much that they would commit to sit and be still and visit with and petition the only one who could actually save them. In this chapter, we are given two different examples of men represented as trees. The first is a man who puts his trust in man. It says that he is like a tree in the desert. It dries and withers, and even when opportunity comes, he cannot perceive it and misses them. Later, he is compared to a bird in the desert who sits on eggs that will not hatch. He plans and labors in vain, hatching schemes and doing things that do not amount to anything. He wastes his time and energy because he didn't seek the Lord for the right thing to do. He trusted in the arm of the flesh, and it was fruitless. Yet the man who trusts in the Lord and makes him his hope of deliverance will never be disappointed. Even when hard times come, he, being rooted in the word, will draw from the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and will bear fruit even in these impossible seasons. Remember that Jeremiah was telling this to a people who were now facing the judgment that he had been prophesying was coming. He was now instructing them in how to thrive in it. No, it would not be averted. The beginning of the chapter makes that very clear, but the end of the chapter tells us how they could be blessed even in the midst of it. Seek the Lord and trust in him. Do not forsake fellowship and time in his presence. Keep the Sabbath. So how do we do that? Let me explain something, my friend. Jesus is the Sabbath of the new covenant because that now we can have abiding fellowship with him anytime. We don't have to wait for a particular day like it used to be done in the Old Testament. 
But we do still have to set aside time to shut everything else out and visit with the king. This is what Esther did when her people faced annihilation. This is what Hezekiah did when his people faced the armies of the enemy. This is what Jesus did in the garden of Gethsemane. This is what Jeremiah tells them and all generations to do when faced with difficult situations. Don't run to men, plots and plans and ambitions. Run to the prayer closet. Don't try to fix it in the flesh. Your plots will not hatch. Your labors will be fruitless. Instead, stop. Shut the door. Commune with the Lord. Visit. Be instructed. Come in under his covering. Repent. Fellowship. And be protected like a chick under the wing of a hen when the fowls of the air are approaching. This was God's advice to those facing sure judgment through the mouth of Jeremiah prophet. You can read the whole of of Jeremiah chapter 17. It's very amazing. And I think it's very timely for the things that we are facing as a people and as a nation. Over and over and over again at the end of the passage, Jeremiah tells them, don't forsake the Sabbath. Now in the Old Testament times, understand that the Sabbath was every Saturday. It was a time that they set aside to not work, to not labor, to not try to prepare and take care of things in the flesh, but to set aside that time in faith and give it to the Lord to visit with him and believe that he would make everything work out all right because you were seeking the Lord, you were trusting, you were in his word. The Bible says that there was a king who did what was evil in the sight of the Lord because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. The truth is, is that left to our own leading and devices, we will mess things up. We will fall to the enemy's deceptions. He makes his plans look very tempting. He was the most cunning of all God's creations. Don't think you can outsmart him. You have got to spend your time with the king to get real wisdom from him. And also to show him that you love him and that you put your trust and faith in him so that he will then release the grace to do impossible things. He will bring impossible victories. He will provide impossible provision. He will do things that are so miraculous and beyond our comprehension that it will bring glory to his name and faith and joy to our heart. Even in the middle of trials and tribulations, my friend, it's time to visit with the Lord again. Now understand this, in the Old Testament time, because the Holy Spirit had not come and indwelled men like it did after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, back then there was one day a week that they set aside to come to the temple and hear the word of God. But now we have the Sabbath every day because Christ can come and commune with us. That's why Jesus said in the word that he stands at the door and knocks. And if we will open unto him, he will come in and fellowship and sup with us. It was at the time of supper that the master of the house would come and disciple the children and the servants. Jesus wants to do this. The Bible tells us also that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those who love him and whose heart is perfect towards him, who has an absolutely perfect trust in him 
And then he will use and empower and move through them. The seven eyes of the Lord, according to scripture, are the same as the seven spirits of God, which are all functions and characteristics of the Holy Spirit. It is wisdom. It is counsel. It is might, which is strength. It is the fear of the Lord. It's all these things that you get when you fellowship with him. And the Bible, it's represented as seven flames on the top of a seven-stemmed candlestick that the oil is flowing through and being ignited. This is what Jesus warned us about when he gave the parable of the ten virgins. He said that some had their lamps trimmed with oil and some had let it run out. They had forsaken the Sabbath. And again, understand what I'm saying under the new covenant. I'm not talking about a once a week thing on Saturday. I'm talking about shut in time with the Lord being baptized in his presence because it is not a one time experience. In fact, in the temple, that lampstand had to be trimmed or refilled with oil twice a day. So make sure you set aside some time to pray. Because if you do, then this will apply to you. In Psalms chapter 91, verse 1, we read this. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. This, his truth, shall be thy shield and buckler, and thou shalt not be afraid for the terror that comes by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Though a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but yet it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes wilt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because that thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. This is a powerful promise. That can apply to all of us, but yet it doesn't because of this. In Second Chronicles chapter 16, starting in verse 8, we read the account of one of Israel's kings, Asa, who had led the people in mighty victories earlier in his life. Because that he sought the Lord and did what God said was right, later began to move in his own pride, in his own logic in his own wisdom and intellect and try to fix things how he saw fit. And though it did seem that he fixed it, it was only temporary. And God tells him, because you put your trust in these ungodly alliances, then you're going to have wars and battles and problems because this enemy's not fully defeated. It's going to keep coming back season after season. But if you would have trusted in the Lord for your deliverance, he would have completely freed you from it by his own hand. And in verse 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all of the earth. Now remember that in other passages, we're told that the eyes of the Lord are the same as these seven spirits, these functions, these aspects of the Holy Spirit. The very Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God, is moving through the earth, searching 
to pour these different attributes out through someone. It says that it wants to show itself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards the Lord. And we know that in the New Testament, those that are perfect in God's eyes are those who have a perfect love for God and for others, those who give him their complete trust. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And if you really love him, you'll trust him. Because the Bible says that we love him when we realize how much he first loved us. But Asa didn't do this. So the passage concludes here in, because you didn't put your trust in the Lord, you have done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth, you shall have wars. You see, it might look right in the moment, but you're not going to win the fight in the long run. When you put your trust in yourself, in men, in psychology, in knowledge, in doctrines of demons, in your own understanding, which can so easily be deceived or manipulated. The Bible says to walk not after your own understandings, but in all of your ways acknowledge the Lord, and he will direct your path. Let him lead. Let him be your covering. You know, there's an interesting thing that the Bible tells us that His sheep know his voice and another they will not follow, that he is our good shepherd. David tells us in the Psalms that he will lead us beside still waters and gives us all these amazing functions of the shepherd and how it provides and protects its sheep. You see, in biblical times in the desert, the shepherds led their flocks by voice, not by the rod. The rod was there to be a defense to them, a protection against the wolves. That's why it was a comfort. In actuality, the shepherd would walk ahead of the flock and speak to them, and they would follow his voice. So if you don't have the faith or the love of God to have a Sabbath, some shut-in, set-aside time to listen to what he is saying, then you're going to start straying. And this is not the season to be found by the wolves outside of the swing of the shepherd's rod of authority. Stay close to him. It's important. And remember this. When things get shaky, when things get scary, when things of the world seem to be falling down around you, When the things you have put your trust in begin to fail you, there is one who told us from the beginning how to prosper, how to be blessed and protected. We've got to put our trust in him, and we've got to take the time to seek his wisdom. It's not even always about what we need to do as much as it is about getting in under his covering. Because he will reveal to you ways you've come out of agreement with his truth and into agreement with the enemy that gives the enemy access to you. It's in that place of prayer that he'll show us what we need to repent and turn away from, how we need to be cleansed and come into right standing, how we need to have faith and confidence in his love, 
what our place and purpose is among the brethren. Everything that we need in our walk of faith comes to us in the place of prayer. That's why the disciples of Jesus asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray because they saw him every day taking time aside to get alone with God and hear from him. The word says that Jesus did nothing except that which he was told to do of the father. My friend, if he rules and lives and breathes and has his being inside of you, then that should apply to you too. Don't try to lead. Let him be king. You come and sit at his feet and be prepared for what's coming. We can all be guilty of the sin of Martha when she was so busy serving that she began to speak ill of Mary, who was sitting at the feet of Jesus learning. But Jesus knew that there was something coming, a crucifixion that would shake all of them. And this was their time of preparation. That's why when everybody else began to doubt and fear and run, when everybody else was shaken, Mary was the one who was found at the tomb, still waiting. That's why she got to see Jesus in his glory, the first fruits of the resurrection, before anybody else did. And you know why? Because she loved him. She wasn't willing to run out and try to do something or become something she wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. And so it was granted unto her because those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Those who seek shall find. These are promises given to us from God. And he keeps all of his promises. So this is the answer. When money is failing you, when economics is failing you, when your health is failing you, when the medical system is failing you, when your family and your friends are failing you, when your church is failing you, when your faith is failing you, run to the one who's never let you down and learn to love him and you will learn to trust him. And he will lead you out of your wilderness and into promise. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.